The year is 1966. Navy has just won its seventh consecutive U.S. ILA National Championship and fifth outright. It would be one of eventually nine titles under legendary head coach Willis Bilderback. Star Navy attackman and future lacrosse Hall of Famer Jimmy Lewis is all the rage in the lacrosse world. 1966 saw the star attackman end his famed college career in Annapolis with a third consecutive national title and a third consecutive Jack Turnbull Award given to the nation's best attackman. Lewis would be called the greatest living lacrosseman that same year by the Baltimore Sun. At historic Homewood Field on June 10th, on the campus of Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, Maryland, the best of the best in college lacrosse from that 1966 season went at it during the annual USILA North-South All-Star Game. Lacrosse giants such as Navy's Jimmy Lewis and Penn State star and future Nittany Lion head coach Gordon Thiel were selected for the game. But there was something else eternally special about that 1966 North-South All-Star game. It indeed was the first to include a player hailing from a school west of the Mississippi. Who was that player, you may ask? Arizona attackman Dave Hodgemacher. Welcome into the first episode of Chain Cages, a podcast series from Lacrosse Bucket, exploring the history of some of the varsity college lacrosse programs of the past. Those who have gone defunct and are no longer with us as a varsity status program. I am Tanner Dimlin, and I hope that this series can be an enjoyable listen for y'all. I plan on releasing about three to five this summer in 2023, and we'll hit on some of the more intriguing programs to myself and hopefully to most of y'all as well, who have raced the college across world at the varsity level in the past. And this first episode, we are looking at what could be considered one of the biggest what-ifs in college across history. And I think especially so this day and age, when you look at the growth of the sport out west, and particularly in the southwest, that is the University of Arizona, it was a varsity program for a very, very short period of time, 1964 to 1966, but they were a varsity program, and they did find success in the southwest. The story of varsity lacrosse at Arizona ends in 1966. That same year where Dave Hotchmacher is selected 
as the first representative from a school west of the Mississippi to play in the USILA North-South All-Star game. But to tell the story of Arizona lacrosse, we have to wind back the clock a few years. To around 1962. And we have to mention what is known as the original three. Jay Liu, Don Galos, and Chuck McChenzie. These three men all came from the East Coast. Liu had played at Princeton, Galos at Cornell, and McChenzie at Hobart. All three would find themselves in Tucson, Arizona, and would come together to help create and begin the men's lacrosse program at the University of Arizona, which still continues to this day at the club level. All three were founding players of the Arizona men's lacrosse program, while Liu went on to be the head coach of the 1964 team, and Galos would serve as an assistant coach during those early years as well. Liu would later become an assistant coach at Ohio State and Newsweek Magazine for his work at Arizona dubbed him the father of Western lacrosse. Now while those three names are important for the development of Arizona lacrosse and arguably three of the most important figures in Arizona lacrosse history, we have to mention another name here that I think a lot of people would recognize, and especially so if you're from Maryland, and especially so if you're a Towson fan or alum. That's Carl Runk, a U.S. Lacrosse and IMLCA Hall of Famer. Runk is best known for his 262 career wins, 13 NCAA tournament boats, and 1974 Division II National Championship with the Towson Tigers. He guided the Tigers men's lacrosse program for 31 seasons, 1968 through 1998. But Runk, while a native Marylander, started his career in coaching not out east where he finished it and would cement himself as a Hall of Famer. He started it in the southwestern corner of the continental United States in the state of Arizona at his alma mater the University of Arizona, where he played football in the late 50s and early 60s. He coached the first club lacrosse team at Arizona in 1962, and after stepping away, headed back to the Wildcats sideline for the 1965 and 66 seasons. The final two of those three years where the Wildcats were a varsity program. Arizona began playing its first club lacrosse season in 1962. 
They went four and six overall during that first season. They went five and four that next year in 1963. 1964, in March of that year, is when the lacrosse program gets elevated to varsity status. Now, before we get into those varsity years, 64, 65, 66, I want to set the landscape here real quick and just exactly what lacrosse looked like in Arizona at that time. I think a good word to use is non-existent because there wasn't really lacrosse at all in Arizona until you have the University of Arizona start a program in the early 60s. It is Carl Runk who is a gym teacher at a high school during uh, his days coaching at Arizona. It's him who organizes the first high school game in the state in 1965. He was introducing the game to high school kids as a gym teacher. There was lacrosse in California. There was the CLA. Uh, Claremont School had a program that a Princeton alum had helped begun. And that had been going since the early 60s and even some of the late 50s. But that, that's the closest lacrosse, really, uh, that you had to Arizona at the time. And it was a very small pocket there. So when, when you look at this Wildcats lacrosse team that's assembled in 1962 as a club program for the first time, and then in the pursuing years, it is very much what you would call a hodgepodge group. There were some players who had been exposed to the game in California, some who were from the East Coast and were familiar with it or had played, as we mentioned, uh, and that's kind of what it was. It was very much a hodgepodge group of guys uh, playing lacrosse for Arizona. I should also mention, when Arizona was a varsity program, 1964 to 1966, they were the only varsity program in the West. Air Force did not start playing as a varsity team until 1967. Denver, 1969, is when they began playing as a varsity program. Although Denver would go back to club and then return to varsity, uh, they're getting into the 80s, I believe it was. Air Force a bit of a different scenario they were when you look at the records that are available one of the better teams and I think obvious reasons for that they could pull kids from all over the place had some guys that clearly played lacrosse back uh, out east that came to the Air Force Academy uh, that knew how to play lacrosse and played a very high brand of lacrosse and Air Force is one of the major teams that we'll talk about in the history of Arizona lacrosse in terms of opponents, for sure. Now, I mentioned 1964. That's when things start to go uphill for this team, this program, as they reach varsity status, and they go 9-3 and that season. 
that season, the first varsity season, from what we records we have, Arizona sees a increase in roster size, and they add some guys, and they add one player we mentioned in the opening, Dave Hodgemacher, a California native, had played there in high school, and then went on to play a year at Union College in upstate New York before transferring back out west and joining the Arizona lacrosse program and being one of the uh, one of the best players that Arizona had during its varsity years, 64 to 66. Now, the, the best season, and the season I want to spend the most time this podcast talking about, is 1965. That is where Arizona goes 11-0 and really puts their stamp on the game of lacrosse. Now, that 1965 season saw Carl Runk return as head coach of the Wildcats program. And he led a team of around 17 to 19 guys through a schedule that saw them play a league slate featuring Air Force, Claremont College in California, the University of Colorado, the University of Utah, and Stanford University. The Wildcats would run through their schedule unfaced. They went 11-0 and would be the first undefeated season in program history and, and the first one for quite some time and certainly the first as a varsity program and only as a varsity program. The Wildcats would win the Rocky Mountain Conference and the Western Lacrosse Association Championship. Arizona winning the WCLA snapped what had been a four-year run for the Air Force Falcons. And indeed, it would be against Air Force where some of the most defining moments of that season would come for the Wildcats. Arizona traveled to Boulder, Colorado earlier in the season for the WCLA tournament there in Boulder and would beat Air Force 12-11 to in double overtime. Cody Copeland scored the game winner in that throwing contest marked the first time in which Arizona had beaten Air Force in men's lacrosse. Just two weeks later, Air Force would travel down to Tucson looking to avenge that loss. However, the Wildcats would come home with a, or would defend their home with a 10-5 decisive victory there in that one, going 2-0 against the Falcons, who had been the cream of the crop out west in the WCLA up until that point. The four-time champions of the conference until that season where Arizona took the throne. Arizona ended the season in the WCLA tournament 
there in Claremont, California, the one that would end the season there. And you had sizable wins over Utah and Stanford, and then would beat Claremont there. Um, the latter two, Stanford, Claremont, being tournament games. That ended the season for the Wildcats as they brought back the WCLA title to Tucson to finish that heralded, unbeaten 1965 season. Following that heralded 1965 season, Arizona raised many eyebrows back east and was subject of features in the lacrosse press at the time, including an article in Lacrosse Newsletter, one of the most prominent magazines of the sport during that day. The next year, 1966, would be the second year of varsity lacrosse, second full year of varsity lacrosse at Arizona. And unfortunately, this is where things start to take a downturn. The season started on a pretty solid note. The Wildcats were accepted as a member of the USILA and were run the 67th or 68th official member in the association when their admission was accepted ahead of that 1966 season. However, they can no longer play freshmen. The USILA had a freshman eligibility rule, whether that was prohibited. So Arizona does start a freshman season, a freshman team that season, which was one of the first, if not the first, out west. And while Arizona could not play freshmen, it does appear that overall, the interest in lacrosse after the 65 season begins to gain. There's around 26, 28 guys on that 1966 roster as a whole. As I mentioned, they also have enough to start a freshman team and are able to play those guys as a freshman squad that cannot play with the varsity team. However, that season overall does not go good for Arizona. They go 2, 6, and 1 during 1966. And remember, that 1966 season would be the one that ended with Dave Hodgemacher playing in the USILA North-South All-Star Game as the first representative from a school west of the Mississippi. He was one of the leaders on those varsity teams, along with guys like Jim Brunner, Cody Copeland, and others who made numerous WCLA all-conference selections. By the end of that tough 1966 season, though, the Arizona Wildcats got more bad news. The university was dropping lacrosse as a varsity sport. Why? Well, it doesn't appear that an official reason was ever necessarily given or made public. But I think given the time and development of lacrosse west of the Mississippi, 
heck, west of the Appalachians at that time. I think we can mark up the fall of Arizona lacrosse to many different factors. One, Arizona was the only varsity team out west at the time in which they were doing it. Air Force would come in a year or so later, but Arizona at that time was the only program competing at a varsity level. Every other team was club. Secondly, there weren't even that many teams out west at all. And tying into this, most of them weren't in Arizona. There was the Arizona Lacrosse Club, which was more or less a conglomerate of Arizona State and other college students playing for a club team. But most of the other successful teams out west were in Colorado and California, not Arizona. So travel was difficult. The development of lacrosse overall in the southwest at the time was scarce. It was growing and was being developed thanks to the work of the guys at Arizona, but very, very scarce. Well, today at Arizona, varsity lacrosse is no more. The Wildcats program continues on as a club program, competing in the MCLA and the Competitive Southwestern Lacrosse Conference. High school lacrosse is also growing in the state with programs like Brophy Prep, among others, being powers in the region. And multiple Division I players have come from and continue to come from Arizona with each passing recruiting cycle. That includes former three-star All-American Duke defenseman Cade Van Rapphorst now playing in the Premier Lacrosse League. I think one really good way to put a bow on this episode and put a bow on Arizona's varsity lacrosse use is by the simple statement. They were ahead of their time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this first episode of Chain Cages, where we dove into a little bit of the history that surrounds the Arizona lacrosse program during its varsity years from 1964 to 1966. I hope y'all enjoyed it, and like I said in the opening, this is just the first of what I hope will be a pretty fun and unique podcast series this summer. I hope these get better with each and every passing episode. Again, thanks for listening, and remember to like, share, and subscribe where you can. All those ways help us grow the show. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at lacrossebucket, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.